Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey, everyone, and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra, and I lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Carlin. We are going to chat about news and notes across the global women's soccer. We're going to talk about World Cup dark horses because we're just days away from the 2023 World Cup. So a quick reminder to make sure that you're downloading, following, subscribe to all of attacking third channels because you have to get all of our content for all things world cup for all things united states women's national team analysis and more lisa we're back at it i'm so excited how are you this morning i am good it's so good to to be live on youtube and chat with you um yeah, it, it, there's a lot to dive into today. News and notes that we're getting into. Happy 4th of July, everyone. I hope that your dogs are okay and your babies are okay <laughs> oh from the God. fireworks. That was a big thing, of course. Um, I got to take in some fireworks around Philadelphia, which, Sandra, I know you tweeted this out. There's a lot of people that set off their own fireworks. Yeah. So I was not in proximity enough to see the official Philadelphia City yeah. fireworks last night, uh, but I saw plenty of fireworks shows that the rooftop we were on had a 360 view of them, people setting them off, which was uh, pretty good, pretty fun to watch and see. But good morning. How are you, bud? I'm, I'm with you. I uh, thank you for your note on the babies and the dogs. Uh, I had to make sure that my dog was okay. Mm-hmm. And eventually at a certain point in the night, uh, he was, but I, you know, it's tough because I'm someone that, you know, I, I don't mind fireworks. I think they look cool. I like, I like uh, taking a look at the fireworks shows and things like that. So, uh, but I feel bad, you know, for, for yeah. my dog, but I, I was, I was grateful to, to have the extra day. I was grateful to have some 
good food off the grill. That's always fun. And uh, I hope everyone else got to, to have a good time, too, if they were, uh, you know, finding themselves celebrating. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I couldn't help but keep thinking about attacking third and hopping on this show and saying, we're going to we got to talk about it. We got to talk about all of these things that are happening. Shout out to everyone joining us in live. We appreciate you as always. Uh, again, these are one of those things. If you subscribe to us, you get those alerts for whenever we go live and you get to join us live on YouTube, get to get involved in the chat. Let us know your thoughts about everything. And, and look, there's a lot of different bits of news that we want to talk about. So of course, I'm eager to hear about your reactions, Lisa. I'm eager to hear from everyone else's as well. Uh, we should just start with uh, probably some, you know, some uncomfortable news uh, that we had to talk about, un unfortunately. Let's just, like, kind of rip the Band-Aid off before we get into some of the other stuff, like player signings and things like that. There was uh, some recent reporting uh, out of the Athletic uh, this earlier this week around Vera Paul, the uh, Ireland national team coach, uh, reporting from Steph Young and uh, Sarah separate out of The Athletic, uh, referring to allegations essentially of a culture of fear uh, stemming from the 2018 season in NWSL with Vera Paul as she was head coach of the Houston Dash. And um, it was another one of those tough reads, Lisa. I'm not going to lie. When I saw the report drop, I was like, okay, let's take a look at this and see where it is because we're, we're talking about something that happened five or so years ago at this point. And it, you're always curious about what's going to come out of these things. And I think the biggest takeaway for me within this reporting was that um, so many of the sources within this who found themselves essentially victims of Paw during her time with Houston Dash in 2018, um, they all had, to, they all felt the importance uh, of being anonymous in this piece, yeah. whether they were uh, a, a player, a former player or a former staff member of PAWS uh, just for their overall protection and safety moving forward. So they were referred to as, as staffer A, B or C or player A, B and C. Um, and that was really the, the biggest, most glaring thing for me that here we are years later um, and we're coming off of a couple of years here where there has been extensive work in terms of like the other allegations uh, and other reports and other investigations that have taken place, whether it was via U.S. soccer and the Sally Yates investigation or the NWSL and Players Association joint team investigation, that at this point in year 11 of NWSL, there's all of these protocols and policies in place moving forward. So to have like kind of this, this flashback into a certain era of NWSL it kind of takes you into a place where wasn't that wasn't too long ago. Uh, but you're hopeful and that some of the current culture around clubs in the league kind of maybe paved the way for, for former players or former staffers to try to share their experiences and stories, even, mm -hmm. even within remaining anonymous for their protection. Yeah, um, very interesting kind of all of this coming out from The Athletic, as you mentioned, and really the allegations, um, I mean, in the article written 
uh, on The Athletic uh, by Steph Yang and Sarah Shepard. They did a great job, but th- I think it's really important that they included a lot of quotes from their sources. Now, as you mentioned, Sandra, none of the sources are ma- are named um, out of fear, but the quotes are really interesting to me. Uh, one former playing player saying that Paul was, quote, the most terrible coach I've ever had, um, saying th- that she would comment on players' weight and appearance. Um, another player saying we were all afraid of her because we had no idea what she was going to do day to day. Uh, Vera was the worst, most terrible coach I've ever had mentally. It was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this with her. Another player saying I I hated going to practice. I was miserable. If I had another year like that, I would not be playing professional soccer anymore. Um, Another quote, everybody had their own coaching style. I get it, but it was, in my opinion, abusive and inappropriate, the littling in such a public matter. So those are just some of the examples of what the players were reported for for Paul and kind of how she ended up coaching throughout the NWSL. And as you mentioned, this was a couple years ago, 2018, when she was with Houston Dash. It was just one year. Um, and otherwise, she had coached nations before that, right? International, Scotland, Netherlands, Russia. She was with South Africa. She spent one year in Houston. Um, but now, after being with Houston for 2018, starting in 2019, Vera Paul went on to coach the Republic of Ireland and ultimately to be frank, led them to their first World Cup, which is set to kick off in about two weeks from today. Um, So now that's where she is. Vera Paul is the head manager of the Republic of Ireland headed to the World Cup. And as uh, it's why it's pretty timely that these accusations are coming out about her time in Houston, although several years ago in 2018, why it's relevant now, because she is still coaching um, at at the international level for Ireland. Yeah. And I thought, look, shout out to Steph Yankee. I thought it was important or a good point that she made a note within, you know, her tweeting the story out about it, directly addressing that, saying, you know, if you're wondering why we're investigating this now, that it was Paul who actually approached the athletic this year in April of 2023 about, quote, protecting coaches from players, uh, given previous complaints uh, in the NWSLPA joint investigation. That's why they felt the need to go back to former dash players and staff and that it was seven of them in total that agreed to to mm-hmm. talk with the athletic about paw and varying allegations so that also was something that kind of just popped out to me i was like wow like just the the goal <laughs> that um someone with so many allegations around them yeah can have to say, you know what, how about you go and protect uh, coaches uh, within this? And so they were like, okay, well, let's try to, let's open this up then and talk about it and report it and and investigate on it and then report it. And that was very hard for me to sort of consume within this story as well, because I just couldn't help but feel like there was a lot of turning of things around on, on players. It just, there were strength of the reporting where it felt like victim blaming so that was a very uh difficult thing for me to 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 read so i would you know if if folks are just hearing about it for the first time with us talking about it on a3 and you subscribe to the athletic and go and read it just those are your trigger warnings i guess for me as if as someone who took a look at the reporting when when it dropped but i i think you're you're spot on about it in terms of connecting it to to what it means right now in present day that 
she's the current head coach of an, of another national team now. She has been for quite some time. And they're, yes, have made some history already together. They're going to be debutantes in this upcoming World Cup. Um, but you have to wonder if this is going to be one of those things where uh, maybe it's an outside factor and, and perhaps it's something that Paul, maybe not the players, but is Paul going to be distracted by something like yeah. this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard not to be distracted by something like this. Even some of the players that are on her Ireland national team that read this article, whether um, they have experience with this or they don't, it's just kind of interesting that it comes up right now as these players are preparing for the biggest moment in their lives, right, at this point going to the World Cup. But, yeah, I think in the article it's definitely a, a great read. Go check it out. Um, it, it is interesting how she kind of does turn it back on the players and say that they're the ones that created the hostile environment for her um, and that it, it was an agenda from the players to make her life not great as, as a coach there. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately the allegations and the accusations saying that Paul was considered to be abusive, detrimental to their performance and overall inappropriate as a coach, which um, is interesting that this comes out of the NWSL after just, a year and a half ago when um, the Players Association and, and the players took it in their own hands, uh, Kaya McCullough and Manashim and Shanine Farley to kind of bring light to a lot of the different abusive situations that the players had faced throughout the NWSL. Um, and now that it's kind of coming full circle again as as they circle back on a female coach in the league, yeah. right? I think that's also something to kind of point out and that it, it's, it is still possible that it doesn't have to be a male coach um, yeah. and anything can happen. Which is such a, it's almost a funny point to even bring up as I hear you mention it, because also within the article, this Verapon, her constant referencing of, of Pep Guardiola and yeah. like, you know, like talking about like, oh, if this was, if I was coaching in this manner as a male coach, like it wouldn't be considered this way. Like trying to point out a, sexism essentially in a double standard um and i but again at the same time re as someone just reading it i was just kind of like wow that again the goal to just sort of compare yourself to to someone like a guardiola i was like okay this is getting a little too much you know and and, and just reading it again there were parts of it that make you uncomfortable sometimes which is why i was like let's make sure that we let the folks know that if they decide to go read it there might be some some stretches of that that are uncomfortable and um yeah, no, it's important to sort of bring all those things full circle and kind of connect those dots. I mean, Sinead Fairley got named to this Ireland roster, yep. you know, and I think that's the other takeaway that I would come from this, that I I, I would not want to see um, something like this bombard those players. You know, Sinead Fairley has had a remarkable comeback and a remarkable story that's still going on because she's about to go to a World Cup. Um, and you just don't want to see players have to answer for other people's actions or yeah. um, allegations of that sort. So I, I'm hopeful that um, the media who continue to cover this and the World Cup are can continue to be mindful of that um, and allow you know players to yeah just go and compete in in, in a World Cup. Yeah, as, as they have to focus on what's next for them and uh, like I said, the biggest tournament of their entire lives. Um, Houston Dash and the NWSL did put out a statement apologizing to players past and present who were subject to misconduct by Paul saying that um, they they apologize for anything that they did. So interesting that that kind of came out from them. Nothing from NWSL Players Association on their social media um, but I think it's it's more all eyes are she's not in the NWSL 
anymore. That's like a, a matter of fact. So there's mm-hmm. not much that like the league can do at this point in terms of actually punishing Paul. Uh, but now the fact that she goes forward, she goes forth, she starts on July 20th with Ireland against hosts Australia in the World Cup. Um, playing uh, away, playing against the host nation. It's going to be an uphill battle for Verapaw, for I- the Irish side uh, going into this World Cup. And that's really the next the next page that these players have to turn to and focus on moving forward. We'll definitely keep an eye on it as things progress. But we are going to take a quick break, so stick with us. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're going to talk about some more news across the global women's soccer, but uh, we're going to start overseas in England before we head on back to NWSL because we want to talk about some player signing news. And, of course, we have to speak about Alicia Russo to Arsenal. Big signing. It's maybe one of those worst-kept secret type of (laughs) signings. Look, this is a very exciting player that I know folks are um, eager to watch perform with England in the World Cup but has been a massive player in women's super league was initially with Manchester United. And there was already some chatter mid season there. Like would they transfer Russo to Arsenal? Would, would there be a record transfer fee figure involved? Lots of back and forth, but man United in the middle of a you know a title race in the league mm-hmm. that ended up not making the move, but that is done and dusted. League is over, calendar year is done, the World Cup's on the horizon, and that means Arusa was free to negotiate, and she will now be a gunner. Yeah, this is massive. I mean, despite all the rumors and and the fact that a lot of people knew she was going to go a lot of different places, right? There was rumors of Washington Spirit in the NWSL. There was rumors that Alicia Russo was going to go anywhere, uh, but they knew she was leaving. And I think that's like kind of interesting to look back on because I believe it was January of this year is when Arsenal initially put in bids for Russo saying, hey, we want her. We want this player in Man United. Um denying that turning both of those claims down saying that no we're we're still renegotiating her contract she's going to stay here at this point but ultimately the contract negotiations between Russo and Manchester United did fizzle out uh she did become a free agent and now she's going to be joining for Arsenal with a massive front line that's already there between uh, Vivian Miedema, Beth Mead, Katie McCabe, Lena Huerta, Caitlin Ford like the number of players at Arsenal is 
massive. And I think there's also a bit of a conversation between Arsenal in the Women's Super League in Manchester United and and why would she be taking a, quote, step down to go to Arsenal. But that's not the truth at all. I think that any – I mean, we've talked about the Super League a million times here on this podcast, that the top four teams in the league are just always competing. Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United, Man City, That they're at the top of the table. They're ready to compete. Any one of them on any given Sunday can be in that number one place, lifting the trophy at the end. Um, but I think it's more just – monumental for Russo at this point to be to be going to Arsenal and leaving Manchester United really at this point because uh, as she said Manchester United was her childhood club she's a United fan but that's football things and and things change and things move on and she stated that she's at this point in the journey in in her career that she wants a new challenge and that's what she's searching for um and she's going to get settled with Arsenal and and get going before uh, she hits the pitch again, but she's had a very like interesting career. And now as she heads to the World Cup, like I, I love watching this player and watching yeah. her her path from playing collegiately yeah. right in the States. She went to UNC. She was a Tar Heel um, and she played for Chelsea's Academy, a team uh, growing up. And she's just had a very storied career. And believe me, her story is not done yet. I love this signing. I yeah. look, I, I know there's lots of um, the discourse is really around the way in which it, it happened. It's there's, you know, oh, why would you allow a player to, you know, play through and then essentially not be able to sign her back and, and, and let her go for free? Like all of the discourses around the, the dollars around it in terms of the timing. Um, but look. Manchester United was right there the entire time this season, right? Like chasing that number one spot. They wanted to get that title. Yeah. So why would you, um, you know, move one of your best players in the middle of a title chase? You know, that's kind of the Obviously, angle I'm, I'm yeah. taking it from. So yeah, you, you bid farewell and you sort of see like, okay, we're not seeing any return on that, but you kind of roll the dice. You, you gamble and you say, hey, we're going to try to run and gun for this title and it doesn't happen. It doesn't work out, but that doesn't make me like the signing any less. I love Russo to Arsenal. I think it's smart. Look, we don't, do. I do timetables are always going to vary when it comes to ACLs, right? And we saw this Arsenal side struggle with injury over the course of the last year multiple players out and not just any players we're talking key key yeah. players for this arsenal squad and england's national team as well so again the timelines vary how those players are going to look when they return from those type of major injuries mm -hmm. is a factor as well you know we don't we don't know what you know vita uh, is going to look like you know post acl or beth mead so having Russo and hopeful that she ha probably has a successful world cup and can roll that into a new season with Arsenal. I'm sure has fans very, very excited um, yeah. myself included. So I'm, I can't wait to, to see her in, in action in women's super league. Um, but I liked it. Probably, probably the biggest signing I think that we've seen um, so far. But I mean, still the biggest signing. But we there's so many rumors around. There's so it. many rumors around others. But um, you know, women's super Chelsea is still yeah. getting their signings, and they finally again the 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 secrets are out now kind of thing. It's they had Ashley Lawrence, you know, and, and announced her as well to the to the squad. And this is already after they announced Katerina Macario. So now they've got Ashley Lawrence involved in the mix, joining up with her Canadian teammate, Kadisha Buchanan. So it's just 
they're making moves. Women's Super League teams are making moves. It's it's it's, in, it's an exciting time for sure. Um, transfer window is open in NWSL as well, though. So let's bring it on home and talk about some signings that have occurred over the last week or so. We absolutely want to start off with Orlando Pride because they recently announced the signing of Rafael Sosa to the team. It is becoming a home, away from home, I think, for Brazilian international players. This was a big one. Um, that also got sort of, you know, around the world of women's soccer before it was actually made official. You kind of thought about this signing in particular and wondered, hey, when is it going to get announced? Now it's finally here. I loved the video. It has the, you know, three players, three Brazilian players going to a Brazilian steakhouse. Oh, it's awesome. Asking for, asking for a table. And, and the host says, hey, you know, Mesha Patres. And he's, no, Marta says, I actually want it for four. It's it's fantastic. I love it. Um, and then you have Rafael calling in and saying, hey, we got work to do in the World Cup, but I'll be there soon. So I, I loved it. Um, and I thought it was clever, witty, smart. And in terms of the actual signing, it's going to boost up the back line for sure. Yeah, she comes over from Arsenal, um, three-year deal in the NWSL with Orlando Pride. Um, fantastic to see. She's actually been in the NWSL before, so not an NWSL rookie. She is back. She spent time with the Houston Dash in 2014 um, as part of that team. She's a, a namesay. Yeah, I agree, Sandra. The video for announcing this is just so well done. The creativity and, and the PR teams for the NWSL teams and across the world is, is tremendous. They, they do such a good job playing on the players' personalities and bringing them in. And and yeah, I think it's a bit of a haven here for Brazilian players. I think whatever whatever they talk about, they say, "Hey, get on over here. We can, we can make some magic in the NWSL. Come on over, Brazilians, because we're considering continuing to see an influx of players, which is." I mean, there's so many positives for it. But now, like as we go into the World Cup, I think that that's a moment where a lot of um, Fans of the sport that really just focus on the United States women's national team and, and maybe just the NWSL and they don't really expand to other nations or other countries because they're so focused on the American side of things. They know these players from playing in the NWSL, especially the Brazilians when you look across the board. And now as we turn the page to the World Cup and we'll start to see them um, wearing their nation's colors and jerseys, now these NWSL fans have a little bit more in it, in, a little more skin in the game to maybe cheer or watch these other teams. And, and this is how this is how we grow the sport. But this is massive for Orlando to add this type of player um, in, in the midfield for them. They need this. They're going to need this coming back from the World Cup, pick up points, get on a run towards the end of the season. Yeah, they're kind of sitting right in that kind of um, gray area of the table right now. Like, will they or won't they make a run and, and try to battle for maybe one of those lower kind of playoff seats? But I think it's smart, honestly. And I love that they lean into it. We have to be frank about the offseason that occurred for Orlando Pride. I mean, this was the first ever period of a free agent market for the league. They were contenders in yep. that. We had, we had talked about it. We had covered it. They swung and they missed. They were able to re-sign Marta, who was listed on that uh, free agency player list. And that's a huge target, an icon of the game, but probably a player that wanted to remain in Orlando because of all of the work and, and foundation that she has sort of laid there with, within that club. So they re-signed the, the icon and fan favorite back in Marta. But in terms of other players that were available, 
they were not able to go out there and land some of those other marquee type of players on the free agency. Yeah. So I like the energy to kind of turn that around a little bit and say what what works for yep. us. Put as the ball club. back in their court and, and say, hey, how can we yeah. capitalize on um, allocation money and international roster slots and and really pick up points and, and momentum after the World Cup? Um, because even during the World Cup right now, they're only missing two players in Adriana and Marta. Um, now, of course, they are missing this player as well, but she has yet to join and yet to come over to Orlando. So that gives them an advantage heading into this stretch of World Cup play because they're only without two of their players. And then they get the the power of three back after the World Cup. I think it good moves for the team in purple for the pride. I think I, th- I think with the it's, we see this influx of Brazilian players coming into the league as well. And you could look at Orlando Pride as, as a club to where if you're a Brazilian player and you are breaking through to the NWSL, maybe you want to have negotiations yep. and talks with this club specifically. They're no strangers to that either you know we've seen we've seen Camila on this team before in the past we've seen Monica on this team mm-hmm. before in the past alongside Marta and now with Adriana you know in this season and now they're going to have Rafael as well so I like it I think it's smart I think it leans in Orlando's leaning into their strengths actually and saying that look we can be a destination for uh you know a, a certain type of, of player and let's try to create something fun competitive and moving forward maybe we'll continue to be this type of destination uh for for these players so i i like this signing a lot um, i'm eager to see what it looks like under seb hines moving forward uh but uh, we'll have to wait like you said lisa because there's a there's a world cup happening pretty pretty quickly uh but kansas city current also getting in on the fun with international players as well they announced that they have signed defender stina Balenciaga to the roster how do you feel about this signing lisa because i was like a defender that's interesting yeah Balenciaga is interesting i agree i agree for casey i'm a little surprised at this but they're also still dealing with a number of injuries mm-hmm. and players getting back um they were supposed to have hannah gloss remember they yeah. did find the international and she ultimately got hurt injured and, and went on sei list so perhaps that's the role really they're looking to fill to have just a bit more depth in the back line um but yeah it's through the 2024 season um she's danish international so she's not going to be joining the current until after the world cup but she's a prolific Danish player with 43 caps for Denmark, um, led them to the 2017 Euros final. She's been captain of her club teams previously. I think it's a big signing for them. Interesting to see how ultimately she will fit into what Kansas City current is looking to build there. I think they still have a lot of question marks, right? With Cena coming in, how how does that fit into the back line? Um, they're still trying to figure things out. This is another team in the NWSL that needs to kind of pick up pick up speed and, and pick up points as they go along. And sometimes I think I look at some teams and it's like, all right, they're just throwing anything at the wall. They're going to see what sticks and what happens. I don't necessarily think that's the case with Stina. I, I frankly, I think that this is such a prolific player that they know that she can make an impact and, and help lead this team. But um, coming into the NWSL, of course, there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, but I'm interested to see kind of where along the back line this player plays. Who knows, maybe a bit more in the midfield, but they're already stacked in the midfield. So I think it'll be a back line slot in for sure. 
All right, well, we'll see what it looks like and what uh, interim head coach Carolyn Cuomo has up her sleeve with this player moving forward. They got to... They got to take care of some business in the regular season because you got to pretty much win a lot of games from here on out if you want to make a run up that table. So we'll see how it looks for the current when she returns from the World Cup. There was also some general NWSL news around the expansion draft that dropped earlier this week. Let's talk about Utah Royals FC and Bay FC because they will begin play in 2024. They participated in what was essentially referred to as asset selection order. (laughs) Don't know how I feel about that title, but there was a number of things that they needed to, to figure out because with two teams coming into the league in 2024, there's going to be the NWSL draft that they have to prepare for. That's going to be the NWSL expansion draft that they have to prepare for. Those are two big ones, right? But there are other things like discovery order, uh, waiver wire order, et cetera, et cetera. So that's essentially what these two teams and the league and its governing body went through over the course of, of a meeting. And it turns out the way things uh, happened, it was alternating. So I believe Utah was able to pick first in asset selection order and then Bay FC got to pick as well. So they alternated until everything was worked out, but it, now it's official. Uh, Utah Royals will have the number one overall pick in the NWSL draft in the first and third rounds of the draft. Bay FC will have those same picks, but in the second and fourth rounds. And we've got Bay FC with the number one pick in the expansion draft. Yeah, massive. Um, I think that uh, for uh, A-Rod, Amy Rodriguez, who is the head coach at Utah Royals, really saying that she wanted the first pick in the NWSL draft. Um, that's how they're going to look to build their roster for 2024, that uh, they're ready to get going. Now, that the list of names hasn't been opened yet. The deadline hasn't been opened yet. We're a little too far out for us to kind of speculate on that and start looking at some of the players who might be named, who might be in um, that that draft class that Utah could pick from first. But I think it's interesting that Bay FC is going to pick first for the expansion draft. And frankly, if that stays, because as we saw in the expansion draft last year with Angel City coming in and San Diego Wave, there's a lot of trades that happen, a lot of protection trades that happen, happen heading into it. Because as one of the other 12 clubs in the NWSL, you want to protect your players or at least have the least amount of surprises heading into the expansion draft. So you make trades and negotiations with the expansion team saying, Hey, we'll, we'll give you this player for protection of expansion draft protection. So will they actually pick first or will they get a little bit of closure? There's so much more to come. I I'm like flabbergasted that I've like, honestly forgot. I'm going to be really frank right now. I've almost forgotten that we're adding two teams in the NWSL come 2024 because the world cup is days away from right now that I'm just like so focused on international football and and this NWSL season. But not only is there going to be a college draft, but an expansion draft, there's so much to come in the next year for the NWSL. It's, it's amazing. No, we're going to have a busy off season for sure. I'm, I'm very curious to see how things are going to shake out. I think it's going to be a little different than what we saw in this previous off season with two California teams coming into the fold, SoCal and area teams in, in LA and San Diego. And there's a third California team for, for Bay FC and, I would imagine that maybe there's some 
there's more chatter amongst players around the possibility of, of going to a team like that. I don't know if there's the same chatter uh, yeah. for, for players around Utah. I'll just be frank. Uh, it's unfortunate, but um, in the past, there have been not good experiences that black players in this league have had when they played in games uh, in, in Utah before in the past. So there's some things there that that franchise has to work with a pass that maybe they need to try to make sure that when they're trying to court players or persuade players or pitch players like, Hey, come and play for us. That might be concerns. Uh, for yeah. them. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how it shakes out and what it looks like. Cause it sort of felt like in this last off season, all previous 10 clubs were very open to wheeling and dealing because they knew they were going to have players that wanted to request right. trades or, you know, look and explore some options, but, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. We also have the element of free agents, right? There's another wave of free agents that become available at the end of this year and, and kind of where they go. And and that's really been the talk in the league over the last year, saying that they coaches want to try to respect players' wishes of where they want to be and what's going to happen. That's a really good point you make about that, about how if players are going to want to go um, to Utah. Frankly, I think they'll want to go to Bay FC. I think there's a lot of sell there for players, but yeah. interesting who's going to go to Utah. But it'll be similar rules that we saw last year for the expansion draft. So Utah will pick um, first in the college draft. So um, they will then pick second in the expansion draft with Bay FC picking first. And then Royals and Bay FC will alternate. Um, they'll each be able to pick a club or excuse me, to pick a player from each of the league's 12 teams at butts. They're only allowed to pick one U S national team allocated player. Um, that's kind of how we saw it last year unfold, but much more to come in the off season in terms of trades and wheeling and dealing and protection yeah. that'll come from this. That's a, that's a good point that you make too as well because it's like how how are clubs going to get to negotiate any potential trades moving forward because so many um of those former allocated players have signed direct contracts yeah. with their clubs so it's like how does that work you know with with those things as well so yep. um I'm, I'm eager to see how the two expansion sites kind of navigate those waters moving forward in the it should be a good one it yeah will be but a very things, good one things like this give us a little bit of order to take a look <laughs> at and and see how they might try to target uh, some things so uh we definitely want to touch on that to close out the news portion of the episode but stick with us because we want to talk about some world cup dark horses after a quick break survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about the World Cup because it is just literal days away. We're about two weeks out from the start of the 2023 World Cup. It will kick off on July 20th in Australia and New Zealand. The co-hosts will face off on that day. We've got New Zealand going up against Norway. We've got Australia going up against Ireland. What a time, and it's almost 
here. So we thought, you know what, let's have some fun. Let's maybe chat about some dark horses. Who are some teams that we think are going to shake things up in this 2023 World Cup? I think folks can maybe take a look and say, hey, this team, that team, those are going to be the contenders. And you know what, I would argue... I would argue that any of the top 10 ranked FIFA ranked teams yeah. are a contender for this World Cup. Yes, the United States Women's National Team are reigning World Cup champions. Yes, England are the reigning Euro champions. All of those things are true. But another thing that's true is that any of these top 10 FIFA ranked teams, when they go up against each other, they can get the better of the other on any given day. So that is why I think any of them can really be considered a contender in this World Cup buildup. If you're interested in the official rankings, I got you covered. You can go to CBSSports.com. Not only do I have the FIFA rankings for you, but I did a remix and I actually did a power ranking of the top So I bumped some teams a little higher and I bumped some teams a little lower as well, in my opinion. Uh, So go check that out if you've got the time. Um, But for the dark horses, the teams that we think that maybe might be a little underrated or might surprise some folks along the way. Who are you looking at and why, Lisa? Yeah, one of my biggest dark horses is the Republic of Ireland. Um, And they're a dark horse because they're debutantes. They've never been to a World Cup, Um, but they're pretty good, right? (laughs) They're 22 in the FIFA ranking, so definitely not top 10. Definitely a nation that um, maybe some other nations are sleeping on. They're in the group of death, and that's probably going to be the hardest thing for the Republic of Ireland. They got dealt pretty crappy hand heading into this World Cup. When you look at their group B that they're in, It is the Republic of Ireland against Canada, Olympic gold medalist, Nigeria, and then Australia, the host nation for this World Cup. For sure, my group of death when I look at the the groups across the the stage here. Um, But when you really dive into Ireland and what they have and the players they have going for them, um, you can't help but reflect, especially here at Attacking Third, on the two matches that Ireland played against the United States in April. And those were really narrow scorelines. It was a 1-0 scoreline and a 2-0 scoreline. And what the United States saw from Ireland was a team that was ready to play, also a team that hadn't had a lot of time together. And the fact that an Irish side could come in not having played a lot of matches together as a group and as that core that they were, not a lot of trainings together, and hold the U.S. to under three goals in two games is pretty impressive. They're a gritty team. They're very physical. They're really aggressive in what they're able to do. They're going to need that for their group stage completely, um, especially because they open up group play against Australia on the opening day ceremonies. Like that is so tough, but I'm trying to balance in my mind, like Ireland being debutantes of this World Cup and and all the firepower that they have coming into this with Australia being the host nation and opening it like this is my number one game to watch on opening day. And I just I think that Ireland could shock the world and come out with um, some really good play. They, they've also played a lot of good nations in, in international competition, Scotland, Finland, China, Philippines, uh, Zambia. They went on an incredible run in 2022 going unbeaten for most of those games. And they've got Katie McCabe 
from Arsenal in the front line. Um, She led Arsenal to the Champions League semis. She's a massive player for this team. And I think that she can put a lot of the pressure on her shoulders and run with Ireland for this World Cup. I'm excited about the Irish. I am. I can, I'm getting chills listening to your your case for for the girls in green in this World Cup. And listen, I'm I'm buying into it as well. Like I, this is the fun part about the dark horse. I, I think I, love this. I think anyone can make a case for their their dark horse team or their underdog team. For sure. And you can like get excited about it. And I like that you're going with Ireland because look, it's also such a. I think it's also just such an unpredictable group as well. That they're, right. you know, it's like they're they're going up against the the co-hosts in Australia for for that first game, and that in itself is going to be a huge test, right? Because just of the weight that Australia is going to have on, on their shoulders going into into this World Cup as as a co-host, as as a team that has several players on the roster who have been playing together for years, and they really feel that this is their moment that they can try to capitalize on that. But it's not just Australia that they have to, you know, try to take a look at. They've got Canada waiting for them in this group. They've got Nigeria waiting for them in this group. And that's why I feel it's like, this is really could be unpredictable type of group just because of some of the different factors that go in it as well. We talk about the different pressures of things within this group, Ireland as a debutante, if you mentioned Australia as, as the host, we have, Nigeria and Canada, unfortunately, it's just, it's a group of chaos. <laughs> it is, I mean, I don't know if it's a group of chaos, but I think there's a lot of unknowns. There, those two teams, Canada and Nigeria, they're unfortunately still dealing with issues yeah. with their federation. And we're talking about into the buildup for this World Cup. So how are they going to look? How prepared are they going to be for this World Cup as it's just weeks away? So I, I feel you 100 um, percent on Ireland. I think that's a that's a fun team to kind of rally around. But. As, as well as being debutantes. I've got a debutante in my radar as well. I'm actually looking in Group E. I'm looking at Portugal as a dark horse in this World Cup. I'm very excited about this team. I think they had some thrillers in qualification mm-hmm. and the buildup to this moment. And they had to take a longer road and a longer journey to get here. They had to play in that inter-confederation playoff to finally determine a place in this World Cup. And then they got drawn into Group E alongside the World Cup champions in the United States. But they're also going to go up against fellow debutantes in Vietnam. And they're also going to go up against the Netherlands, a team that I think they might surprise along the way. And I'm looking at this team because their very last game in the group will be against the United States. So they will have already had games against Vietnam and the Netherlands. So I think if they can get results out of those two games, that final game against the United States could be a little bit. Yeah. But I'm very eager and excited to see it, especially considering the opposition that they have also just faced. You mentioned Ireland going up against some steep competition. They just held the Lionesses to a 0-0 draw. Massive. That was just a a couple days ago, right? Early first day of July, July 1st, and massive 0-0 draw for Portugal. Um to come out and and pick up those points. I love this shout for Portugal. It's something about the debutantes this year with 32 teams in the world cup. There's a lot of debutantes coming in. There's a lot of upsets that can happen. Um, I I like this. I like that you're giving a shout to Portugal. Yeah. They're, they're in pretty good form right now heading into this world cup. They've got their blinders on and they're ready to grind through group B. 
I think it's going to benefit them that they have to not worry about the United States until the final part of the group stage, because maybe you muster up and have all of your energy for those first two group stages. And maybe you just try to play a good, strong, competitive match against the reigning champion. So they have a number of ways I think that they can navigate this group. I'm very excited to see it. And speaking of Group E with the United States, the Netherlands, Portugal, as you just talked about as being your dark horse, Vietnam, they just played in a friendly at the end of June and they got a goal in on Germany. It's yep. pretty impressive to see from um, another debutant in the World Cup. It was a 2-1 final in favor of Germany against Vietnam. They'll also play against New Zealand uh, coming up next week, uh, which is interesting. Now is like the time, everyone, if you haven't been tuning in to the international friendlies and the schedule across the world game right yeah. now, watch. Start watching the games. Of course, the United States plays in their send-off series against Wales. That's happening on Sunday. We'll have it all covered here for you on Attacking Third. But any other nation that you're interested in, I mean, go check it out. I would rewatch that Portugal-English yeah. game. That was a really good match. Um, Vietnam-New Zealand, I'm excited for that one coming up on July 10th. I think there's just a lot of good matches out there happening right now, and you can get a glimpse, a little firsthand look at some of these nations with their World Cup squad as they prepare to head over to Australia. The send-off games, I think, are just like a lot of fun like they're their final glimpse right at, at teams before they head off I know we're going to be covering United States against Wales but just these ones that you just mentioned the ones that have already taken place and then on top of that the ones that are still going to come up it's um it's going to be that final look that final glimpse you know those games that you kind of you know tighten up things on on the pitch and um We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you want to tighten things up, but you also don't want to show too much, right? I know. We these games, so we're, we're excited to take a look at them and I, cover them. I mean, we're, we'll dive into that for the United States because they play on Sunday, so we'll preview that match for everyone. But I've already been thinking about my projected lineup for the United States. I Are they going to go out with their A-team? Are they not? What's going to happen? Do you, sh- you don't show all your cards. You can't show all your cards because every single nation in the World Cup is going to be watching your final match before you went to the World Cup as preparation right that's that's where they're going to start because at least that's the squad and those are the players you're going forward with throughout the the rounds um and and all the different matches throughout the world cup so that's what nations are going to key in on so you can't show all your cards at that point you have to keep some secrets a little bit hidden at least some of your your trick plays your set pieces you know those types of things you hope for no penalty kicks right you don't want to be giving away anything it is the most wonderful time of the year right now Welcome yeah, to, work. to be here with you <laughs> through it all, Lisa. We're going to it's, it's just getting started. It's just getting started. Let's just be real. It's just getting started because it's just days away. Got a couple weeks till the 2023 World Cup. And of course, we'll have lots more content for you all along the way. But that's a wrap for today. So thank you all for listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. So subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And we'll be back with more content for you this week. So stay tuned for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Carlin. This was Attacking Third. <laughs>